What's better than one John? Here's Johnny. Hmm. Nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kenzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. The Pac-12 is thriving on the field in chaos off the field as we enter week three here of the season. But let's uh, let's start with uh, with your recent trip to uh, to West Texas. Well, how did you how did you think uh, Lubbock was? <laughs> I had never been. I had never been to Lubbock. You know, I've been I've driven through like Plano. I've driven across the country a couple times. I've never been to Lubbock, Texas, and I gotta be honest with you, Wilner. Um, you know, I don't know where you're living if you're listening to this in the Pac-12 footprint or not. But if you want a trip to Mars, you can go get on a <laughs> ship and Elon Musk can send you to Mars someday. Or you can just go to Lubbock, Texas. I got a feeling that it's about the same. It's, you know, it's dusty. It's dry. It's flat. Uh, there's a gas station. It's like Mars with a gas station. I think that's the best the best description I could make. And But the fans are passionate, rabid. Yes. I, I can see why it's a tough place to play, I think. Road teams, road non-conference teams that had played there 40 times and lost 38 of the last times. They were like 2-38 and 38 in their last 40. And Oregon went in and and got a W. And, you know, I think I, I, I was I was nitpicking them afterwards, but I, you know, I'm stepping back going, well, they didn't get a real, they didn't get a week one game because they had the Portland State game. And then uh, they didn't look great on offense or defense at times. And they had 14 penalties. It, it felt like almost a week one game for Oregon, but they got out of there with a win. And I think, you know, we saw it with Utah and Baylor as well, you know, and we saw it with Colorado in TCU in week one. Anytime you can go on the road and win against a Power 5 opponent in a non-conference game, that's a quality win. Quality win. Yeah, you know, Lubbock, because I've been to Lubbock, Lubbock. I was there, I don't know, 20 years ago for a basketball game. And I remember, you know, it's like there, there's a few spots that are just because the geography, they're just outposts, right? Lubbock, for sure. I mean, Penn State is kind of in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of Pennsylvania. Washington State's another example. And, you know, these schools, to varying degrees, have got to deal with their geography as, a, as an enormous challenge. And uh, when it just, you know. When you can win in a place like that, it's it's that much sweeter because it's so difficult. They have a, a, an incredible enrollment. Like their student body is like forty thousand, so it's Arizona State sized as a as a college campus. And then, you know, the Uber drivers will tell you that hey, we're the tenth biggest city in Texas. And I'm going okay, and I'm starting to go Dallas and you know Houston, and I'm starting to count down the the cities. But then I'm like, what what is driving that? And nobody seems to know that, you know, the uh, the roughnecks, the uh, oil rig workers seem to be moving to that area because they've struck oil in West Texas. There's some oil fields there that are pretty active now. And Amazon put a couple of hubs in there. But outside of that, it's Texas Tech. I mean, that's what people do there. And I'm not kidding you. It's when you, when you look out from the press box, it looks like Mars out there beyond the city limits. So. Um, if you ever want to go to Mars, you can go pay and get on a rocket, or you can just go to Lubbock. There you go. <laughs> I'm John Canzano. You can read me at johnconzano.com. He's John Wilner, Bay Area News Group. You can get him at pac12hotline.com. we got a whole bunch of things to get to. We have some picks in week three we want to talk about. But let's start, Wilner, with the court ruling on Monday. Whitman County Superior Court 
Oregon State, Washington State, v the Pac-12 Conference, and Commissioner George Klyovkov, a court scene in this drama. Uh, what did you make of all that? I mean, it is m- just a, another unprecedented step in this epic journey slash collapse of the Pac-12, right? Two schools taking their own conference to court. Uh, you got the makings of 10 verse 2. It's just, uh, I mean, it's incredible what we're seeing playing out, right? I mean, it's something that you would think would be uh, almost sports fiction, except it's playing out in real time. And this is just the next step. I think it was almost, uh, you could you could certainly say it's almost inevitable that it was going to get to some kind of uh, legal proceeding, right? I mean, realignment, un, undefeated realignment entity, billable hours, right? So, uh, you know, I think that it's good. I, I thought that Washington State, that they deserve to get that temporary restraining order personally. Uh, what did you what did you think of the proceedings? Well, yeah, first of all, let's start with the judge, uh, Judge Gary Leiby. He uh, starts off by talking about serving funnel cake with his wife at the fairgrounds over the weekend. He points out that the tiny town of Colfax has only a few thousand people and they're all in the courtroom. And then he says, I have a doctor's appointment at 1230. You know, if we can wrap before then, it would be great. If not, we'll come back. You know, it was just real folksy. And I thought he was doing a really good job of kind of painting the picture of, you know, this isn't uh, a big city courtroom and uh, you are in the shadow of Washington State's campus there in Whitman County. And yep. And outside the courtroom, I, I sent a photographer there who took pictures inside the courtroom and outside the courtroom. And so one of the photographs shows the light posts that are outside of the courtroom, uh, outside of the courthouse uh, on the sidewalk. And they all have like Washington State flags hanging from them. So uh, I, the Pac-12's attorneys must have walked in there, encountered, you know, Judge Leiby, you know, president of the Colfax Cougar Club. <laughs> Who was behind the uh, bench, and and you know, and and then I don't think that the Pac-12 had a lot to argue with. Like attorneys will tell you that you start in an argument like this with your best argument, and the argument that the um, the counsel for the Pac-12 and George Klyovkov started with was, hey, not all the principal parties are present. Like he, you know, I think he knew that he had an uphill climb, and I think Eric McMichael, the attorney who presented for Oregon State and Washington State was smooth. Like, he was impressive. I thought he knocked out all his points. I mean, I'm I'm watching it going, you know, if I'm a juror in this case, I know which way I was leaning, listening to the argument. It was a wipeout. It was like watching Oregon against Portland State. It was a wipeout. (laughs) And do you think, like, because the judge at the end, like, you know, gives grants the restraining order. Then he starts talking about, you know, hey, can we expedite discovery? And normally discovery takes 30 to 60 days. That process will take like, it could take a month or two. Uh, But he was asking the parties to agree on shortened timeframes. I kind of think, Wilner, nobody wants discovery. That what we're really going to get is a settlement that comes, you know, two, three, four weeks from now as the the sides sort of just parse out what is the best thing to happen. Because I don't see the Pac-12 schools hanging onto those board seats. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that nobody wants it to get litigated with with discovery and they will f- come up with some kind of resolution before then. Uh, it is, you know, I I would do the exact if I were Washington State and Oregon State, I would have done the exact same thing. Right. 
because they have they don't trust anybody except themselves, right? And there's no reason for them to trust anybody except themselves at this point. But I also think that you know it is hard for me to believe that the other 10 schools would do something that would materially harm those two. I, I think if, if you gave the other 10 athletic directors shots of sodium pentothal, they tell you they want the best for Washington State and Oregon State, and they want those two schools and their athletic departments to thrive, right? And there's a difference between taking the steps that are to better your own school, like going into the Big Ten or the Big 12 or the ACC, and then taking punitive measures against the two schools that are left behind. And I just, you know, maybe I'm a little naive here, but to me, I cannot see a, a scenario in which those 10 would, you know, move to dissolve the league. But if Washington State and Oregon State didn't want to, uh, that would be a moral They'd be going down the moral abyss if they did but, that. I, I but think I the feel in-state, like didn't they the already, politics would be brutal too? Didn't they already dissolve the league? Like, didn't they already do that by so many of them defecting and leaving? And so I don't blame Oregon State and Washington State like no. you, but I don't trust those other schools if I'm Oregon State and Washington State. Can, because, no, you can't yeah, trust them. Absolutely. Yeah, That's why I would have done the same thing. They've, but, yeah, but they've I, already proven that they will do what's best for them at your detriment. And yeah. And they so have. I think like like I agree with you. I don't think like there would be a nefarious intent by those other 10 to try to go out of their way to do something uh, harmful to the other schools, because I do think they in some respects probably empathize and go, hey, if it weren't for our media market, we would be like Washington State or Oregon State. Or if it weren't for our brand, we'd be like them, too. But I don't I think that that Oregon State and Washington State needed leverage. And I think they got it on Monday. Oh, they for sure did. They they absolutely did the right thing. I would have I would have told them to do exactly that. What they want is the right to self determination, right, or determinism. They want to choose whether just to go join the Mountain West or whether to rebuild the Pac-12. They want that option. They don't want the other ten schools to take it away from them. And so this was the only recourse. Uh, I think that they they had in order to preserve that option. But I also don't think like, I don't know, it's not necessarily 10 verse two when in, in that makes it seem like there it's, you know, there's this severe antagonism within the conference. And I don't necessarily think that that is the case in terms of how the 10 are thinking about the two, but the, you know, certainly if you're Oregon State or Washington State, you, you, you had to do what you did. I thought it was really interesting. Uh, you know, again, I sent a photographer there. I wrote a column about it. I posted it uh, and then subsequently checked in on the comment section. And I found it very interesting because, you know, like you, I've got readers all over the Pac-12 footprint. And I was surprised to see Duck fans, Husky fans, Utah fans, Stanford fans, all saying, I hope Oregon State and Washington State get it all. You know, they, you know, as as fans, I think they also sort of see the twenty thousand foot view and go, you know, those two schools being left behind is one thing, and then being punished and left behind, and you know, only getting one twelfth of whatever 
is left in the conference is quite another. And, and I, you know, it's obviously going to come down to, you know, the legal argument, what constitutes notice of withdrawal. But I'm looking back through my emails, Wilner, after that court hearing on Monday, and I've got news releases from Oregon and Washington State and the other schools all saying, hey, we're announcing we're leaving for the Big Ten Conference. And I just don't know in what planet or in what world they could justify and argue that they didn't give notice. And so, I know. you know, I know. Well, they're, they're tra- trying to walk that that fine line legally. A- absolutely. And the, also, the other thing is the precedent that was set by first with USC and UCLA, not not participating in any board votes uh, starting, you know, last summer and then Colorado not being on the board starting on what July 27th of this year. Right. So there's certainly precedent. And I, I totally agree with the Cougars and the Beavers in in that regard. So the Pac-12 has got they've got some work to do. But it is I mean, just to, if you envision a scenario in which Oregon State and Washington State say, we want to try to rebuild the conference, and then the other 10 schools were to ram home, vote as a block, and ram home some kind of measure that prevented that from happening, I mean, those presidents ought to resign on the spot because that is the most contradictory move to the mission of higher education that you could possibly imagine. I, I just, I don't think it would happen, but I also, like I said, the Beavers and Cougars did the right thing given the circumstances. I was I was in Lubbock, as we talked about, on Saturday morning. I'm there to cover Oregon and Texas Tech. And so I wake up on Saturday morning and I end up on the phone with Jayothi Murthy, the president at Oregon State, like early Saturday morning. She's up, this is on her mind. And she made the comment. She said, look, um, we believe that we have you know, that Oregon State and Washington State should be the only schools who decide to make decisions on behalf of the future of the Pac-12 or the Pac-2 or whatever it's going to be called. And she said the concern was that the other 10 would vote to foreclose. That was the word she used, foreclose yeah. on the on the conference. And so, I, again, I think they felt jilted on that Friday morning in August when this all went down. They got the rug pulled out from under them. So I don't blame them. You don't blame them for nope for acting the way they're acting. And I think they've created the leverage that they needed. And in the, in the background, Washington state, Oregon state football teams, you know, among the ranked teams, Jake Dickert, they beat Wisconsin. You know, we both called that upset. Like I think it's a hell of a story. Oh, it's, it's just fascinating to see it, the play out on the field versus in the courtroom, you know, that, that dichotomy, it is fascinating. And I certainly think that, that the situation, with realignment ha- is serving as as fuel for both of those football teams, and it will be fascinating to see how it plays out over the course of the season, no doubt. You know, the other thing too is just the whole the whole in state issue in the Northwest, right? Because I cannot imagine. I mean, there would be a massive political repercussions if if Washington and Oregon took measures, punitive measures against uh, the Cougars and Beavers in terms of dissolving the league, right? And so if you just think about it from a voting standpoint, uh, a, a dissolution would require at least nine out of 12. Let's say everybody has their board vote uh, returned and it's 12 schools. Well, you need nine out of 12 to dissolve the league. But if Washington and Oregon side with the Cougars and Beavers, then it doesn't matter what the other eight think. 
they can't dissolve the league. So that in-state piece to me is is very interesting. And you have to think that the Washington State, Oregon State will, will have, uh, you know, uh, governor support, uh, state legislature support and all that kind of thing. If it gets to if it gets to the point where all 12 board seats are deemed valid. I, ke- I kept thinking that I kept thinking like some other people that, you know, who will be the first school to come forth and go, hey, we we shouldn't have a board seat. Yes, all of the decisions about the future of the conference should belong to Washington State and Oregon State. And in fact, we shouldn't be entitled to NCAA tournament revenue or the Rose Bowl, um, you know, equivalency payouts that are coming down the pipeline or the college football playoff money after 2024. We shouldn't get any of that. Like, who would be the first to raise their hand and do it? But then something's ringing in my ears, Wilner. Like, when the University of Oregon Board of Trustees voted, you, you know, to let uh, Oregon go to the Big Ten Conference, The it was justified by saying that the trustees acted in a fiduciary duty, that they did what was best for Oregon. And if you're going to frame any decision by that moving forward, there are some things that, that could fly in the face of like that goodwill sentiment that you pointed out. Like, you know, maybe Oregon wants their NCAA tournament revenues that they earned. And a dissolution of the conference would then cause the NCAA tournament money go go back to the school that earned it and Dana Altman's program earned it and so there are some complicated and tricky things in there and again I'll just come oh, back for to sure. it. I think I think Oregon State Washington State fans have felt largely I think frustrated and helpless so I think Monday was a really nice win for those fan bases and it came a couple days after the football programs won and they're both ranked and so I think it gave a little bit of power back to those fan bases that probably weren't feeling really good for about a month. Oh, absolutely. And it was a very smart move of them. You know, they uh, first they got obviously they got a, a hometown discount on the judge. Right. I mean, clearly uh, <laughs> and that's part of legal proceedings. They they filed, you know, they were smart because. Uh, Washington, you know, uh, Superior Court, there's no jurisdiction over, say, ASU or or Utah, but it does have jurisdiction over the Pac-12. So they put the Pac-12 as the named defendant instead of the other 10 schools. That was smart. Their attorneys were smart. I mean, they were sharp in every step they took legally uh, last week and this week. And, and the conference didn't really have a good answer because the conference doesn't really have a good answer to the 10 verse 2 thing. Once, you know, if you let those 12 in, there's nothing that would, you know, all 12, it could turn into a 10. I don't think it would, but it, Washington State and Oregon State think it could turn into 10 verse 2. And and they were very smart in every step they took. And, and certainly the Pac-12 did not seem well-prepared or, like you said, just doesn't have a whole lot of material to work with. How about the judge, uh, you know, as the defense attorney points out that, you know, not everybody is present and that George Klyovkov is in a, the commissioner is in a bad position, judge interrupting him saying he's in Montana, isn't he? Um, And, you know, sort of pointing that out, like, I I found that really interesting. I also find it interesting that, that Klyovkov, who I... I thought when everything went down in August, probably related more to Oregon State and Washington State. How did he end up on the opposite side of the legal table from them? Yeah, uh, well, I think he's listening to attorneys, uh, his his attorneys in Pac-12, and you know, doing his best to probably 
try to walk a fine line, but uh, it's certainly the bigger issue is the lack of trust within the conference, right? I mean, Washington State, Oregon State only trust each other. Nobody trusts the leadership. I don't think uh, the the two don't necessarily trust the ten. It's just it's a it's a bad situation all around. And he's kind of caught in the middle of it. I mean, he certainly had a gigantic role in getting to this point, and now he's caught in the middle of it. Is there a chance that there are some documents, emails, conversations, text messages that could be found in Discovery that could lead the conference to something much bigger? And what I mean is it's very difficult to prove an antitrust lawsuit, but I, I was thinking as I heard Discovery, how nervous maybe the TV networks might be or consultants might be if Fox did play a role in rooting or orchestrating or maybe just the conference was a mess. Who knows? There's a potential in Discovery for some of that to come out. And so I kind of wondered, like conspiracy theorist here, I kind of wondered if Washington State and Oregon State, absolutely, they want control of their future in the conference, but are they doing a little fishing here as well? They might be. Uh, you know, they are, their strategy has been so smart to this point that you you do certainly have to wonder about that, right? Get gain some leverage. I mean, that'd be that'd be the right thing to do. Yeah, they got good. Yeah. They've got good attorneys, that's for sure. Yeah, Pac twelve. I, I mean, yeah. the Pac twelve attorney, he had like seventeen chances to pronounce Kliakov's name right, love. and he missed. All, he missed on not only did he miss on all 17 he had a different 17 times i mean you know i just man that's the best a pac 12 can do Ooh. i the presentation i i believe it was uh, is it eric mcmichael who is the plaintiff's attorney the difference yeah. the difference in presentation between he and lambert the defense yeah. attorney was night and day i mean night and day. mcmichael who you pointed out went to cal he's a cal guy of course yep um he was just like he was bowling. Like, you know, he left the 7-10 split and he picked it up in the next paragraph. Like That's it, right. It was just a bowler out there. And and then Mark Lambert gets up there. It was almost staccato-like. He would pause. He starts with the argument that not all the necessary parties are there. I had a couple of attorneys that I asked to tune in and give me feedback on what was happening. And they were like, if that's his opening salvo, he got nothing. Like, you know, he gave very short shrift to the interpretation of the bylaws as it pertains to the notice of withdrawal and all that. And he just kind of was trying to say, we need this meeting because we have this governance issue with employee retention that we need to deal with or there's going to be a problem. And then I felt in Wilner, I felt like they were hiding behind student athletes because he was saying, oh, we have a thousand student athletes that competed this year, this last weekend. And, you know. It, it could be catastrophic, like the season wouldn't happen if we didn't have this board meeting on Wednesday. And and I think the judge, you know, it's within his jurisdiction and with a restraining order to, to come up with a solution that works. I think the judge did a really good job of saying, look, um, worked through it. Like, hey, could you, if everyone was unanimous, could you, could you find a way to make this retention thing happen without actually having a board meeting? And then he got both sides to kind of stipulate to that. And I, and, yep. uh, you know, and that happened this morning, did it not? It did, yes. They have approved without a formal board vote. The schools did uh, unanimously sign off on a retention and severance plan because Pac-12 is worried that 
they're going to lose key employees and they're not going to be able to, you know, meet their obligations for the operations and for the production of all these events. They got to, they got to, uh, they're, are scheduled in their contracts. It's a, it's a real issue. Retention is a real issue at this point. Uh, and they needed to get this thing done. And they, at least they found a way. So we'll see what happens, but I have to think that they will, uh, be able to produce it's a thousand events basically between football men's basketball women's basketball and all the olympic sports thousands of a thousand events and 400 450 million dollars at stake so they got that has got to be a priority and they they found a way to to make that plan happen be clear i mean those employees are still going to get their <clears throat> resumes out it's just now they oh hell yeah they've been afforded you know guaranteed income and some severance you know, in exchange to sticking around. And I think that that's probably the fair thing and the right thing to do. Um, the ranked teams, can we pivot to football? Like, look at all the ranked teams. This is phenomenal. Washington State, Oregon State, UCLA, Utah. Uh, you know, you got obviously USC and the Ducks. And it, this is great conference football. And it took like 20 games before the Pac-12 lost a game. And it was the overtime Arizona-Mississippi State game that finally did it. Isn't it so Pac-12 that they're having this incredible football season against this backdrop of collapse? I mean, it is like so on brand. It's indescribable. I am left thinking the the most Pac-12 thing ever would be all these great teams and what happens. They beat each other up in week 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, narrowly miss the playoff. I don't want to be a gloom and doomer. But I'm hoping that the conference can get a team in there because I think that this this uh, conference has shown top to bottom. I think it's the best conference top to bottom in football. Right now, it's the best. Well, certainly the the records to date show it, right? What, six and three against the Power Five? Eight ranked teams. The only time any other – SEC has done that. None of the other conferences have ever had eight ranked teams. So one-third – basically one-third of the AP poll – is a Pac-12. And here's the biggest uh, The biggest thing is, given the schedule, which we're going to get into momentarily here with our picks, that should be the case next week too when the next poll comes out on Sunday morning because all the ranked teams are either off or heavy favorites. There's no situation in which uh, somebody's a dog. And so if, 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 you know, unless there's some upsets, that all those teams are going to be 3-0, and they're all going to be ranked again next week going into conference play. And then you can take advantage of for the Pac-12. You take advantage of that multiplier effect, right? you got ranked versus ranked. And that, that you know, elevates everybody uh, throughout October and November. So they it is set up, unless there's some stumbles this week, the conference is set up for an uh, incredible final two months. I want to ask you, I want to, we're, we're going to get to week three in our picks. But I want to ask you just for a second about week four. Because there's a looming dilemma, and it's not a bad one, that is on the horizon for the conference. And Colorado in week four will play at Oregon, open conference play at Autzen Stadium. It will be a huge stage. It'll uh, draw. It'll command a huge TV audience, and it's going to be a big game. But simultaneously, you've got Oregon State and Washington State meeting in week four in Pullman in a game that is flying under the radar, but very important, and it's got a big compelling storyline and could be a better game like let's face it Colorado we'll get to that and make predictions it could be a better game 
it, Washington State and Oregon State could be a fantastic football game with big stakes, and it's flying a little bit under the radar. It is, although it is not under the radar on TV, right? It's got the Fox yeah. at 4 p.m., so it's going to have national uh, over-the-air exposure at, in prime time on the East Coast. And the I want to say Oregon, uh, Oregon, Colorado is at 1230, I think. Yeah. So really what you should do is you should go to the first three quarters of the Oregon Colorado game, then borrow Larry Scott's private jet <laughs> and, go to the other and one. fly from Eugene to Pullman in order to catch the last three quarters of the Washington state, Oregon state game. I've, I've had Colorado, Oregon circled on the calendar. I need to be there for that. And, but I have a lot of Oregon state, Washington state readers and administrators at those schools asking me, what are you doing in week four? Like, which game are you going to? And, and they sound a little disappointed when I say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Autzen because I need to see Colorado. Because Dan Lanning basically saying, what have you won? Coach Prime, that whole week is going to be you know, a debate or a, a challenge for Dan Lanning to not engage in a back and forth with Coach Prime. That's going to start you know, after this weekend's games. You better believe it. And I think Lanning needs to stay above the fray in week four and focused on his team and keep the discussion to his team because Colorado is going to try to bait him into that. Oh, for sure. Uh, so wait, you didn't answer the question. Why wouldn't you borrow Larry Scott's yeah. private jet to fly from Eugene? Larry Scott's private <laughs> jet belongs to Pat Kilkenny, the former Oregon booster. He was renting it to Larry that during that time. And, uh, he was probably the one person who was sad to see that exposed because Larry stopped flying, and I think Larry was uh, paying to rent that that uh, private aircraft from Pat Kilkenny, who, by the way, provided that aircraft too for Mario Cristobal, Willie Taggart, Mark Helfrich, Chip Kelly. I mean, the university used that aircraft for a lot of different things, but Larry Scott was jaunting around on, on that same aircraft when he was flying in and out of Pullman so he didn't have to stay uh, for the end of the game there. Uh, let's pivot to week three. All right, I'm going to just throw a bunch of games at you because there's a bunch of uh, mismatches this week where you have FCS, FBS matchups. But Weber State is at Utah 11 a.m. Saturday on the Pac-12 network. We'll save the good games for later. Idaho's at Cal at 1 p.m., Pac-12 Bay Area. North Carolina Central is at uh, UCLA, 2 p.m. on the Pac-12 uh, L.A., uh, you've got Northern Colorado at Washington State at 2 o'clock as well. You've got uh, Sac State at Stanford at 5. Uh, any of those games do you think could be close or a game at all? Not really. I mean, I'm interested to see Sac State-Stanford because Stanford coach Troy Taylor was Sac State's coach last year. Uh, the game was scheduled before he made the move in December, but you know that's a little bit interesting. I mean, the game I'm going to watch of those of that group is is uh, Washington State, Northern Colorado, right? Because if the Cougars and Beavers win, it sets up, and we'll get into Oregon State's game in a minute. It sets up three and O versus three and O, ranked versus ranked next week uh, in in Pullman, which is you know would be uh, fabulous viewing. So I'm I'm be Watching Washington State for that purpose, they uh, they shouldn't have have much trouble. They've looked really good. Their offense looks looks uh, you know prolific, and their defense, of course, is is very good. So I don't really have a whole lot on any of those. And USC is off, so there's really only five games 
uh, which Pac-12 is playing other another uh, FBS opponent. And of those, there's only one game against uh, Power Five, right? Washington, Michigan State. So should we – you want to dive into those five I'll just say, here? Before we dive into those, the, the game I want to take a peek at is Weber State at Utah. Just take a peek because I'm curious if – Cam Rising will play at all just to get a series, treat it like an exhibition game, get him in there, or if they will just not play him and wait and wait for the conference play to start. What do you do you have a sense there of what Kyle Whittingham might do or should do? I don't have a sense. Uh my guess is that it'll be as simple as if he's cleared, they're gonna play him. And if he's not cleared, uh he's he, you know, if there's any any chance of of uh, the doctor's saying, you know what? It's a little iffy. I, I think they'll just sit him. I, I do. Um, but that's that will certainly. You're right. That's certainly an interesting. It's one of the most watch. remarkable coaching jobs that I. You know, you're watching. They beat two Power Five opponents. One of them on the road, Florida and Baylor, without Cam Rising. They MacGyvered it. I mean, it was evident in both those games that it's Andy Ludwig, it's Kyle Whittingham, that coaching staff. Is really good when they when you put them at a disadvantage. They might be better than anybody in the conference at trying to figure out a way to win a single game. They are. I mean, you know, they had a freshman quarterback lead them ninety yards uh, for the tie and touchdown, uh, and then they get a pick to set up the winner. I mean, that's that is what teams that are you know have a great culture and resiliency and have been through it. Right, a lot of those guys have been through the back-to-back Pac-12 championships that that's you that's the kind of game you pull out if you're at a high level as a program let's go to the games that matter or could be close to start with San Diego State at Oregon State 1230 on Saturday FS1 is the broadcast uh Oregon State favored by 24 and a half Wilner what do you see San Diego State has not been very impressive right they got kind of beaten badly by UCLA. And before that, uh, you know, a couple of games that they should have won handily and they haven't. I've been impressed with Oregon State taking care, the way they take care of business, right? I mean, good teams just pound on lesser teams and they don't, you know, they're not close games. They just take care of their business. I, I think the Beavers are going to do the exact same thing again. Beavers have covered the point spread in eight straight games. Longest streak in the country. And, yeah, you know, as much as I want to say, maybe Jonathan Smith is, you know, he's not out there to make anybody look bad. He's not a guy who likes to run up the score. As much as I want to say that, you know, the gamblers will tell you the trend is your friend. So I think Oregon State wins, and and they're at home. I think they'll cover, and so I, I have them covering in that game. Yeah, me too. Me too. Washington at Michigan State, two o'clock. It's on Peacock, right, which is the NBC streaming service, and that is a decision made by the Big Ten and NBC, uh, which is trying to get eyeballs onto Peacock, right? Michigan and Ohio, St- Michigan and Penn State both also will uh, have games on Peacock this month. So it's not just that they're trying to pick on the Pac-12 or anything like that. Uh, and certainly very interesting, Michigan State coach Mel Tucker is suspended. Uh, what do you think there? 16 and a half is the line. Huskies favored by 16 and a half on the road against a Big Ten team. That's crazy. Yeah, a couple things there. Like, if I think the Mel Tucker thing is big, and I think we need to talk about it because I think it will affect Michigan State and sort of the atmosphere of the program. When you have stuff like that happen, you either see a team that focuses and shows up and plays well, maybe plays a little above their head, or you see a team that looks terribly distracted. I'm going to bet distracted on this one. 
And it matters because Washington has had a difficult time, as many reporters covering that program have pointed out this week, they've had a difficult time playing on natural surfaces. It was, they lost both their games last season on natural turf. Michigan State's got natural turf. It's a road game. It has the makings of kind of the Texas Tech-Oregon game or Baylor-Utah where, you know, a team is that is favored to win the game struggles but wins. Kind of has that feel to it if you eliminate the Mel Tucker thing. But I kind of think that without their coach, with a bunch of distractions, I, I just don't see Michigan State showing up to play under those circumstances. So I like the Huskies. And I'll take them to win it. If they cover, I think it's barely a cover. But as much as I'm tempted to say Michigan in the points, it's only 16, 16 and a half, I'll say Washington covers. Okay. Yeah, I've got Michigan State. Uh, and I think Washington actually needs a close game. They would be better served once they get into conference play next week, having a close game where they got to execute in the fourth quarter to win, right? I mean, the you know, blowouts don't, don't get you ready for for the the weekly grind that you're going to face in the Pac-12 this year. So, the, you know, the best scenario for them, I think, is, you know, it's it's tight in the fourth quarter. They got to go down the field. They got to make a stop. They got to run the ball for a first down. You know, something like that 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 really pushes them uh, to the brink. That that would that that would actually prepare them the best. You're, you're then we've hit, got. Yeah. You're hitting on something there that I think affected Oregon in the Texas Tech game. Again, I, I think Oregon didn't have a week one game. 81-7 yeah. to seven gave them nothing. They got guys out of the game. It wasn't much of a test. And they looked like a team playing a week one game in week two. And they had a lot of mistakes. Didn't look great on offense at times. Didn't look great on defense at times. And, you know, I, I kind of felt like it was, uh, it was their week one uh, because – the Portland State game just didn't give them a test. And, and they're getting Hawaii this week. Uh, Hawaii is at Oregon, 5 o'clock, Pac-12 Network. Oregon is favored by 37.5. Will the, Do they come back and look like a machine in this game, Wilner? You know, they had Bo Nix, and that was the big thing, right? He was terrific in the fourth quarter, and Washington's got Michael Penix Jr. So this is these are the kind of games where you got to rely on your, your quarterback. I don't see... Uh, I don't remember how many push-ups the Duck did in uh, against uh, <laughs> against Portland State. It was like 500 or something push-ups. Uh, I, I, we're going to see the same thing. 546. Not good. 546. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, Hawaii is uh, their only win is against Albany. Uh, I, I this is going to be a blowout, right? I mean, the question is when is Bonex in for the second half? Does he take a single snap in the second half? That's what I wonder. I think Oregon wins and wins going away, and I'm going to lean into the biggest improvement comes between week one and week two. I think for Oregon, the biggest improvement comes between week two and week three. I think they clean up the penalties. I think they get ready for Colorado. As much as they may be looking ahead, it won't matter against Hawaii. I think that Bo Nix is too good, and Oregon will have its way in that one. So I think Oregon is going to cover that spread. It is, again, 37.5. Colorado State at Colorado, 7 o'clock ESPN. Colorado's favored by 23 or 23 and a half, depending where you see it. Wilner, what do you see there? I, don't you think Colorado's got to be due a little bit for some kind of letdown? Huge season opening win. Then they the home opener against their rival, and they win going away. Uh, I just – and now they got in-state, an in-state school that is not going to really get their attention when they've got the trip to Oregon next week. I, 
I think this is a little bit of a trap game for for Colorado. I've got the the Rams covering that twenty two and a half, and, and Colorado State has had an extra week to prepare. They had they had a bye in week two, so I just think this is a game where Colorado starts really slow, you know, sluggish, and and they end up winning, and it's not close at the end, but twenty two and a half. A little bit too much for me. I got the Rams. I like. I agree with that. I'm seeing 23, 23 and a half too, and I, I wonder if Ooh. that spread uh, jumps around a little this week. But um, I agree with you. I think we've we've seen there are some flaws with Colorado. They can't stop the run and they can't run the ball. And Nebraska, I thought, did a good job in the first half for about you know 15, 18 minutes of demonstrating that. And had they got any kind of quarterback play, I think. Nebraska would have been leading that game at halftime, but they didn't. They they weren't very good. I got to give Colorado's defense credit. It's a little better than I thought it was, opportunistic at least. But I think you're right. I think trap game here. And I think, you know, I I covered Indiana basketball many moons ago. Bobby Knight said that the game that he worried about the most was when they played Indiana State. It was a bunch of kids that wanted to be recruited, who had heard all about these Indiana kids, and they were sick of it. And so they would show up to play, and they'd give them hell. I think Colorado State has to be a little sick of what is happening at Colorado and all the noise coming out of Colorado. So I'll take Colorado State and hopefully 23 or 23 and a half instead of 22. Uh, I think Colorado State is going to cover that. Yep. You know who's going to make Colorado defend the run? The Ducks. That, that will be the big question next week in, in Eugene is, is whether Colorado can – can stop Oregon's running game. Uh, next, we got Fresno State at ASU. That is 7.30. It's on FS1. Maybe it'll be uh, the temperature kickoff will be under 100. I don't know. Uh, ASU is actually a three-point underdog at home against the Bulldogs. Pac- not often you see a Pac-12 team at home as an underdog against the Mountain West. I think that that, that line is justified, though. I think ASU's got a lot of issues. I agree. I think Fresno State covers that. I don't. I don't think it's going to be close. I think uh, it'll be a ten or fourteen or seventeen point win by Fresno State. I, Arizona State has got some flaws, and you know, I was that opener in Week One. They're playing against a lower division team, and they barely won it. That was a real eye opener for me. And I went, "Wow, they have a long way to go." I like Kenny Dillingham. I think he's a good coach. I think they'll be good, you know, someday. But that day is not now. Fresno State also feasts on these games they love they to play yep. pac 12 teams and they love they get up for it like it's their bowl game and so i think they will uh show up to play in that one yep and fresno state's got you know they got they fresno state is one of the few teams that they've got a coaching advantage with jed tedford over almost every coaching staff in the pac 12 right the guy is just a phenomenal coach uh and I think you add that to it and the fact that uh, they've already they won at Purdue in week one. So they've already been on the road. They've already faced a power five team. They're certainly not going to be intimidated by the environment. So I, I I agree. I think Fresno State wins that game and it won't be close with with five minutes left. Final game on the docket. UTEP at Arizona, eight o'clock Pac-12 network. Arizona's a 17 and a half point favorite. I've uh, been waiting for Arizona to put it all together. I think this is the game it happens in, and I don't I don't see five turnovers. I don't see three interceptions. I, I think Arizona puts it together in this game. I, I think Arizona's going to cover the 17-and-a-half 
at home. All right. Uh, we're on opposite sides then. I've got UTEP, not really for any good reason. I just kind of want to see, uh, and I think Arizona's defense is obviously a lot better, right? They they only gave up 24 points to Mississippi State in regulation, even though they turned the ball over five times. But I just, I want to see Jaden Delora, you know, not make the kind of mistakes that he's been making. And, uh, and you know, a couple with a, a line like that, you know, one or two turnovers by Arizona, and all of a sudden that could be a tough cover. So I got UTEP, uh, but I certainly think that uh, I did not do that with a whole lot of confidence. All right, so we will be back with a week four uh, episode. That That's going to be a huge week as conference play opens, Colorado going to Autzen. Uh, you've got Washington State, Oregon State playing. You're expecting eight ranked teams at the end of the week, so no major upsets. I am. I mean, the eight teams now this week are all either off like USC, they're playing FCS opponents, or it's Washington, right? So it's hard to see unless the Huskies lose. Uh, I think that all these teams are going to still be undefeated and the Pac-12 is going to have eight ranked teams when the AP poll comes out on uh, on Sunday morning. I love what it. a story. I love what a it. story. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. Share it with your friends and family members. It's a great game day listen. If you're traveling to a game on Saturday or you're sitting around at the tailgate, great uh, great to put it on in the background. And make sure you subscribe. Just hit the subscribe button. Make a commitment to us. I'm John Canzano. You can find my work at johnconzano.com. He's John Wilner. Find him at pac12hotline.com. And we will be back next week with another great episode. Thanks, everybody.